Champagne Closings, and 007 Home Security. Hallelujah. Good to have you here, Brother Lamont. I'm glad to be here. It's an honor. Well, we appreciate that you come in, and you know what this, this uh, segment is all about, right? Absolutely. <laughs> we have overcome. Absolutely. So we know that you got an awesome survival story. So we're gonna what, what we're going to do, we're going to let you go ahead and tell your story. Uh, well, sometimes people leave out the beginning. And that's why they can't heal, because they try to forget the beginning. And the beginning for me is when we left the projects. Mm -hmm. And when we left the projects, I was nine years old. And that was the last time we was really a family. We were dispersed. And the pain of disbursement leaves scars that sometimes People don't focus on healing because I'm 54 and I've been missing my mama and my brothers and sisters since we left the project. At nine years old. At nine years old. Mm -hmm. So from nine years old to 54, I've missed my family. Because being in the same room don't mean everybody's there. You're there physically, but when you have some mental scars, you're really not in the room because mm -hmm. everything in life is a mindset. So through all that we've been through, I was always in a special place. Even though we were poor, I didn't think we were poor. Mm -hmm. We just lacked because I was happy. Okay. And when you're happy with nothing, big things don't impress you. Just being here at the Waldorf Astoria, I was happy just to have a TV in the in the bathroom. Right. Wow. Out of everything else, it's the little things. That's why we're easily distracted by big things. And we chase things that don't bring us peace, love, or joy. Mm. And do you feel that's the problem with society? Yes. Because we chasing something that really don't even matter. Mm. Because some perish. Right. Because I look at all of my role models and heroes. Mm -hmm. I look at Jesus. Okay, number one. Right. <laughs> I look at Martin, Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. Honored to be here in Atlanta. Yes. You know, I look at Malcolm X. I look at Muhammad Ali. And even Will Smith to this day who played Muhammad Ali. Mm -hmm. And all of them live with regrets. Mm. And I thank God I, I don't live with no regrets. Because you'll hear them in documentaries that they lost that time with their baby. Yes. Chasing their dreams. And no dream is worth it for me not to be there for my daughter. And we make that excuse that we did it for them, but our babies didn't need money. Mm, what did they need? They needed our time and our presence. 
Because you can't build a house unless you're there. Mm-hmm. That's true. And no house can stand without a good foundation. So a father's presence is the foundation. Because then your child has something to stand on. Mm-hmm. Because they always say train up a child. But if you wasn't there, you couldn't train the child. And let's, let's go here since you said that. Now, we started from the beginning, like you yes. said. He didn't start from where he is right now. He started from where he came from. Multiple times you have experienced homelessness. Absolutely. See, a lot of people that's homeless is by choice. Mm-hmm. Because the places, their options, they didn't really want to go. They would rather be on the street than be somewhere where they're going to be criticized, looked down upon, and talked about. Mm-hmm. And people don't like when I tell my stories because the scars would have been so severe that I had a choice to go to my mama's house or go to a homeless shelter. And I chose a homeless shelter because... I'll never do something that'll make me lose my peace of mind. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have peace, you make bad decisions. Priceless. That's right. And you'll always hear me talk about my pastor. Mm -hmm. Because you have to make comfortable decisions. And I was comfortable going to the homeless shelter. And the reason I was comfortable is because I trust God. Okay. And when I walked into that homeless shelter, God showed up. He was right there. God met me right at the desk where you registered at the homeless shelter. How old were you at that time? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I was probably, well, we're going to talk about my last time being homeless. Okay. Or the fourth or fifth. I don't know. How many times were you homeless? I think I've been homeless about five times. About five times. And they all were by choice. And the reason they were by choice, because I had to choose my dream. Okay. Over where I was at in my life. And a lot of people won't understand that. See, because they'll say, well, Lamont, you just wasn't stable. You hadn't had a stable uh, foundation. Mm-hmm. Well, my mind was stable. Okay. And, and nothing steals my joy. So stability is me is mental. That's where it starts at. Right. Mm-hmm. See, because people in the at. house, that's uh, not a home. Yes. And people in the situation, they're not happy. You said something key, and I want to reflect on that real mm-hmm. quick before I forget it. Oh, that's okay. Um, about abandonment. Because some people believe that abandonment is when somebody is separated from, uh, or someone, uh, it causes, it's a separation, or somebody is not in the home or not around. But you can be abandoned in the presence of somebody and because the person is still not present. Well, what makes you abandoned when people are not cheering for you? Mm. That's when you're abandoned. So I've been feeling abandoned all my life. So that's what you were feeling? Yes, and what happens is, I turned it into a positive instead of a negative. Because I don't even have negative thoughts. Wow, that's powerful. Because being abandoned is when the people that you think should be cheering for you, they're not. They're not cheering for you. Okay. 
So, so who was cheering for you? I was cheering for, for myself. Yourself. Okay. I'm my biggest chillier. All right. God gave me two hands to clap and pray. Amen. And that's all I need. Because there is no one breathing today that say I needed them. Mm. I appreciate everybody that was there for me. Yes. But can't nobody say I needed them. And I want everybody to know all they need is Jesus. So you basically leaned on Jesus and took care of yourself. I leaned on Jesus on everything. On everything. And I've been leaning on Jesus since I was 22 years old. Because it's power in the tongue. And until you use your power, mm -hmm. you don't know you have it. You're born with the power. Because, so, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, even when you were homeless, you didn't have a mindset of that because... I didn't feel... Being, but I didn't feel homeless. Right, that's what I was saying. I didn't saying, move like I was homeless. People didn't know I was homeless. Mm, you see, it's yes. the difference. But, and, uh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm not going to cut you off. Well, God showed me favor. Uh -huh. And let me tell you, when I say God showed up at the homeless shelter. Okay. I walk into the homeless shelter, and, and the gentleman say, Boss, that's my nickname from college. Mm -hmm. He's like, Boss, what you doing here? Well, at this particular homeless time, the gentleman that worked there, I was allowing him to have parties at this nightclub. Mm -hmm. And I had been doing promotions all my life, still promoting people's business. And he, I gave him a shot because he always wanted to do promotions. Mm -hmm. And the facility where he was doing the promotions is the facility that I left, okay. that I invested all of my time, energy, and hard work into. I even left ADT to give my time and energy. And he had his events there. Mm -hmm. And this is how God worked. The favor was so pure is that he went and told the person that run the homeless shelter, said, this is the guy who I've been inviting you all, who gave me a shot mm -hmm. to do the promotions that I've been telling you all about. This is boss. Wow. This is what he told him. So now... The owner, the the guy who runs the homeless shelter, say, "Well, I know what you do, and the rules at the homeless shelter, you have to be here by seven to eat, or if you don't go to, to the Bible study or class, six. But since you in the nightclub business, you can come in when everybody sleep. See, that's how favor works. Wow, I didn't have to be in at seven. Mm -hmm. I was there at 2 o'clock, everybody sleep, I took my shower, laid down for three hours, and I will be up at 5, and I'm gone. Wow. Favor. Favor of God. Favor. So the question was, even when I put the post up, how did you survive? God. It's God. Right. See, what happens is, it's not enough to believe in God. And I'm not taking enough from no Christian or nobody. Mm -hmm. Whatever your belief system is, mm -hmm. it's just not enough to believe in God. That's like the engine to your car. That's what believing in God is. It's an engine. Okay. Trust is the keys that ignites the car. Now you can go somewhere. Now you're moving. Now you have direction. Mm -hmm. Like my pastor always say, faith would not be faith if you knew what you had coming. 
Because it's unseen. It's unseen. Exactly. Belief for how you sitting on this couch the rest of your life. Mm. Waiting on God to knock on the door. Mm-hmm. Faith, and that's what re that really means when it says faith without works is dead. You got to work for it. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I was 22, I said I would die before anybody else tell me what to do. Mm. And God has allowed me to go 32 years. Yeah, 54, 22, 32 years without somebody telling me what to do. Mm, being your own boss. Being your own boss. So they was calling you boss before, before you I became a boss. Right. So the power of the tongue. The power of the tongue. The power of the tongue. So your roots, where did your roots come from as far as um, your belief, you know, believing in God? And where did that come from? My Aunt Agnes was my, was my Jesus before Jesus. Okay. Well, let me talk about my DNA first. Okay. My mother is the strongest individual that I've ever seen in my life mm. because she has persevered and has gone through so much. Yes. But I just wish my mom could just heal from all that she's been through. Mm. And when you can't be transparent, you're suffering in silence. You got so many people that do that. You, you got so many people. Yes. Just like my brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. They don't want to hear me tell my story because they say it's nobody's business. Well, guess what? It's not nobody's business. But I don't want nobody looking to me where I'm at and don't know how I got here. How you got there. It's your testimony. Because my, I turned my, all of my scars into beauty marks. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be where I'm at without my brothers and sisters. They the one protecting me. My big brother protected me, risking his life, just to take me to school every day. In the streets of Chicago. In the streets of Chicago. Mm. It took me 20 minutes to go to school. Two blocks. Wow. Because we had to hide behind between the cars. What was going on that you had to do that? What? Uh, the other the the gangs? Other, the other gangs and other buildings. Gangs? Wow. Two blocks. Took me 20 minutes to get to school. So my brother protected me. Mm hmm I wish they wouldn't have let my brother Robert take me to school. Why? Why because my head that? wouldn't be as big as it is. Why do you say that? Well, he took me to school and the guys saw us and chased us in the building. Uh -huh. And they took the kickstand off a bike. And I'm like seven or eight. Uh -huh. And hit me in the head with the kickstand because I'm in front of him. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. But I ain't mad at him. Mm. He just couldn't run fast. Oh my to God. get us in the house. Yeah. But uh, it's just important to be transparent. It is. So all the pain that I've been through mm -hmm. is my purpose in life. Because I want everybody to be free. Because yes. I'm a stress-free person. I don't care what nobody say about me. I don't care what nobody think about me. Because don't nobody work as hard as me. Right. So everybody wants you to give them something. Mm. And nobody ever gave me nothing. And nobody ever gave me an ADT sale. And nobody ever gave me a home improvement job. And nobody ever gave me nothing. Mm. I worked for it. It's hard to get $5 out of people now for my turkey drive. And you have that every year? Every year for the last five years. And the power of the tongue. My pastor was up preaching mm -hmm. five years ago mm -hmm. on November the 10th, which is my mother's birthday which is the day I think, believe his dad died. 
And my pastor's such an awesome man. And he talks about his dad. I said, you know what? I'm going to have a start having turkey drives and honor his dad. And in two weeks, I raised $10,000 to give out 500 turkeys. Wow. Yep. Tell them about your first time raising money. I was here in Atlanta. Uh-huh. I was seven years old. <laughs> and my aunt Agnes lived across the street from Atlanta, Fulton County State. She mm -hmm. lived right across the street. And it was this man named Mr. Glass who owned three to four blocks of vacant lots and people will park on his lot and go across the street to the to the football baseball games to the stadium mm -hmm. and he had all of this money in these aprons and just making a lot of money and miss davis who lived in my Agnes building the building was like three's company so the miss davis was parking the cars in the back mm -hmm. and at seven years old my mind clicked and said Miss Davis, if you scoot all y'all cars over, you can get seven to eight more cars in the backyard. At seven. At seven years old. Mm -hmm. And that changed my thinking. And that was that was it. But you made money that day. I made money. And mm -hmm. I made money. The money that she made addition, that $40, she saved it throughout the summer. For 90 days and she gave me all of that money and I took it back to the projects talking country and I gave it to my brother I'm like I got a heap of money I got a heap of money and I gave it to my brother Carl and that ignited something in me and I've been this way ever since at seven years old yeah so you were born to be an entrepreneur yes I was born to be one you a businessman. Yeah, at seven years old, you were already a businessman. Yes. Wow. And when you talk about, when we talk about homelessness, and and I think about all the uh, celebrities and great people now that suffer to get to where they are, you know, because um, listening to Steve Harvey's uh, testimony, he was homeless. Tyler Perry, homeless. And look at them now. And a lot of times, you know, people don't want to go through the struggle part you they want to go around it you know and that's a part of them their growth a part of your development a part of your success because you wouldn't be where you are unless you went through and i'm, I'm glad you said that the beginning so there is the no shortcuts to success mm -hmm. you'll have more failures than victories but what people fail to do they don't they don't enjoy the journey it's the process. They despise it. See, the process is the picnic. Mm -hmm. And until you know how to have a picnic in a storm, you're going to always be distracted. Mm. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to look at what you don't have. You're not going to appreciate what you do have. Come on, that's so true. It's the reason they have cheerleaders in professional sports. You just need one person cheering for you. Mm. That's all you need to keep going. And that's why you got to cheer for yourself. Yes. And that's why people look used to look at me like I was crazy when I joined my church. Because I'm always shouting. Because mm. that's my praise. Yes. I don't hold nothing in. See, they'll be shouting like me if God has done what he's done for me for them. Mm. 
because God has allowed me to keep my mind for 32 straight years and my joy and my peace. It's non-negotiable. I'm not for sale. Nothing can bother me. It makes you appreciate things more, too, because you go through some things like that. Absolutely. See, the value of things, you don't, it's devalued, what other people value. See, what happens is, the, why, the reason I appreciate so much, because mm -hmm. I ain't had nothing. I ain't had nothing. Mm -hmm. Kids don't appreciate nothing because you gave them everything. You gave it to them. Thank you. My pastor teaches us, you show love through gifts, discipline, not through gifts. Mm -hmm. You can't appreciate it if it's just given to you. Do you know when it rained to this day? It rained last night here in Georgia. Mm -hmm. Every time it rained, I think about how I used to change the cardboard in my shoes. Mm -hmm. Every time it rained. What extreme? So I don't forget. Yeah, what extreme? You said that the cardboard in your shoes. So is I know that's extreme in and of itself. So what other it's, you know, extreme thing that you experienced while you were out there? Uh, eating out the garbage can, shoplifting, but didn't nobody know I was homeless. They did not know. Unless I told. So and I didn't tell you. too many people. So Because they, I went and got up and worked. But you were coming from the shelter, going to work. Yes. Wow. So what happens, I didn't understand, I didn't stay in this particular time in this shelter. Mm -hmm. I stayed in this shelter for maybe two weeks because God always got you if you trust him. Mm -hmm. And you don't grow weary and complain. Because God's waiting for a lot of people to stop complaining the blessing. Mm. So what happened after two weeks at my mom's house, it was a $10,000 check. <laughs> At my mama's house. Really? Yep. And waiting on you. Waiting on me. And the reason the $10,000 was there is because I'm not going to just say the young lady name. She knows who she is. Mm -hmm. She took all of my Aunt Agnes inheritance. Lived here in Georgia. Took the land that everything that we, my great-grandparents used to have slaves, used to have property, all in Union Point, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And she took everything and just sent me $10,000 after my United died. So I was homeless, going through a divorce. Uh, it was just a lot of things. A lot. <laughs> wow. But it didn't steal my joy. It only made me better. Mm -hmm. It never made me bitter. Because my cuss word is, I'm going to pray for you. So people get mad when I tell them I'm going to pray for them. Hmm. Because 99% of the people have never heard me use profanity. Wow. Because you're not worth it. Why am I going to get upset? Hmm. Because you ignorant. <laughs> now, how did you learn that? When did you learn that? When did I learn what? Just to be like that. Because, you know, uh, everything is DNA. People don't deny it. My dad was cool as the other side of the pillow. Okay. He didn't use profanity. Okay. So, so you didn't hear you weren't around it like that. Well, you took it. I was around it, but it was just DNA. Okay. That's all I can attribute it to. Okay. I didn't see a reason to use profanity. Right. 
That's all. She knew how to speak. But I ain't judge nobody. Right. I know how to be quiet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. See, that's what I learned from my dad. Because I had nothing to prove. And when you got something to prove, you're talking all the time. Mm. Trying to prove something. Mm. And that's why I feel so sorry for our men today. Young and old. Because if you born a man, why are you wasting your time, your life, and your energy proving you something you was born? Just be a man. Mm -hmm. No one has ever heard me say I'm a man. I smell like a man. I look like a man. I talk like a man. And I walk like a man. And if you mess with my daughter, you'll know how manly I am. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you have one child. Tell me about child. her. Tell them about you and her. What about her, your relationship with her? Man, that's my everything. My daughter is 26, mm -hmm. Dr. Taylor Nicole Ellaby. Uh, she, she has two more years of uh, medical school. Okay. And that's awesome. That's my proudest moment. That's my badge of honor, my daughter. Mm -hmm. My daughter has not went one day in 26 years without me. That is awesome. And that's why I said I don't live with no regrets. Mm -hmm. And not being there for her. Not spending no time. Chasing money. And I ain't mad at nobody who chased it. But when they write their books, they always talk about mm -hmm. the sacrifice they made. Mm -hmm. There, There is no sacrifice that I want to make that I can't be there for my daughter. It's nothing worth it. Because there's so many women out there that, that wish they had their dad. I wish I had mine. Mm -hmm. So you know how I wrote my was. dad over a hundred letters. I'm like, why are you not spending no time with me? Mm. But I never gave him not one of the letters. So I had to live with that pain. But I turned the pain into purpose mm -hmm. of saying that since my dad didn't spend no time with me, I'm gonna make sure I spend all my time with my daughter and be there for her. Pick up from school. Take her to school. Read books on Wednesday. Draw for the kids. Go to 90% of the PTA meetings. Go to 75% of the field trips. Yeah. Can I tell you her first day of school? Yes, tell us. Her first day of school, I told her that I'm going to come up here every day mm -hmm. for the first week of school. And I'm going to lay by your cot because you don't know these people up here. Mm. So every day <laughs> for a week, I laid by her cot. So after the second day, the school was like, Mr. Ellaby, you can't do that. I said, well, I'm going to go find a school that will let me lay on this floor next to my baby because she don't know you all. Mm. And she got to get comfortable with you all first. Wow. And my daughter, uh, I'm just so proud of her. I'm just proud of her. Well, tell them that when she were, uh, I remember the story you was telling me about when you spoke that into her. Because we talked oh, about the oh, power of the I tongue. I got you. The power of the tongue. Right, the power of the tongue. I whispered her in her ear to say Papa mm -hmm. every day. And we had her mama house with her grandparents, and she said, mm. she said Papa, and that was everything. You have to speak life to your situations. Yes. 
and people scared to speak life into something that they, that, that they think is dead. Mm. It ain't dead, it's just sleep. And you wake it up by speaking to it. But when you live in fear, you don't believe in yourself. Mm. You look for validation. And validation is for parking, not people. Mm. That's right, that's right. You know, some people get comfortable there, you know, in their pain. They that's do. all they know. And they don't feel like, you know, some people don't believe that's nothing there's they can't even they can come out of it. But look how dumb this is. <laughs> when you in pain, you are uncomfortable. Right, right. So why are you gonna be comfortable in pain? Get uncomfortable and get out of your pain. And you, you know, the majority of because that's all they know, that's their life. They're you know, they're just accustomed to pain. You have people that's just accustomed to that and well, I'm accustomed to pain too. I live with but pain. But that's not what you Exactly. Yeah. Turn the pain into mm -hmm. purpose. Right. That's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. I live with pain every day. I just don't focus on my pain. Right. I focus on my purpose. Because I don't think about nothing that's not thinking about me. I don't care about nothing that don't care about me. And you know, people don't believe that. There's people out there that really like that. They really don't believe that. Well, because they're, they they can't wrap their mind around it with all the things that's going on in the world. Absolutely. And But I would accredit that to your relationship with God, your faith walk. And before, and, and let's get back to my inactives. Okay. Because you can only be what you see. Mm-hmm. And my inactives was born in 1918. She was the only woman I ever been around that never complained one day. Mm. So that's where I get it from. Wow. I she never complained. No matter what was going no on. No matter what. She always focused on the solution. I, you know, one of my when I was my um, previous job that I was in, and that's what my boss would say, don't come to me with your problems. When you come, come with a solution. And I thought that made so much sense to me. Because people focus so much on the problem, you know, and not the solution to the problem. Absolutely. And, uh, and just getting, you know, we want to help some people with this power of time. Yes. Because I get a phone call at 21 years old that my brothers, Robert and Carl, are in jail. And they need $1,500 to get out of jail. Mm -hmm. I'm working at a black-owned grocery store, making $75 a week. But everybody in my family look, like, look at me like I'm the big brother. And where are you at in the... I'm the baby, the baby brother. I'm the baby slash big brother. Okay. So it took me three days to figure out how to get them out of jail. I said, I'm going to do what the church folks do. I'm going to throw a raffle. And I threw a raffle to get them out of jail. And there was a bar across the street. Mm -hmm. Owned by a blues singer named L.B. Johnson. Told him I need to have a raffle here. We had the raffle there, and it was the DJ named Butter. And Butter was so frantic that all these people in this hole in the wall. And he like, we got a boss production. And that's how it happened. And we started throwing parties called Boss Production. Mm -hmm. And we started throwing parties, and then we ended up getting a nightclub. After throwing parties, mm -hmm. and we named the nightclub my best friend from college named Poncho, Clarence Patterson, mm -hmm. and we opened up a nightclub and named it after our daughter. We named it after our daughter. Yes, it was called Cretaceous. Uh huh. 
Okay. When we came back from the Million Man March. Uh, that changed my life, the Million Man March. The Million Man March changed your life. That's now what? I started doing the motivational speaking. Okay. So that was enough for me to keep going and become an owner. So when I was working for them, they took the top 50 people in the United States to Colorado. And I was number 31 in the country at the time. And I had never been around anybody that was better than me in Illinois. So that sparked something in me. And I would never forget that moment. And I didn't focus on becoming number one because I knew I wanted to be number one. Mm-hmm. And the reason I didn't focus on it because I wouldn't compete with nobody. Because the most people compete instead of collaborate. Mm-hmm. And then... Say that again. Back row. Most people <laughs> compete instead of collaborate like a fool. <laughs> And, and that's the problem. And that's the problem. Yes. Because when you're competing, mm-hmm. you're not operating out of a place of peace. Yes. Come on. Mm-hmm. Because you look into your left and look into your right. Mm-hmm. What other people are doing. It's the reason why horses have blinders on. Mm-hmm. Finish line. Right. They got one focus. One focus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just focus on you. That's it. And don't care about what other people are doing. That's it. So what happened is that Champagne Closings was born. See, I now know what a woman feel like when they water break. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because my water broke at a closing. It was a gentleman that mortgage offices and realtors... I try to collaborate mm-hmm. so they can send their clients to me to take care of with ADT. Mm-hmm. So this particular time, there's a loan officer who wanted to do my mortgage, but he never sent me business. But this attorney said, Lamont, let him do your loan. So I was asking him questions, and he would never get back with me on a phone call. I'm old school. Mm-hmm. I'm allergic to emails. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to email and text. I asked him a question one day, and he said, go to my boy, go to my website for the answer. Mm-hmm. So that was my scarf. Mm-hmm. And that was my insult level. Please know your insult level. Because your life would never change, and God can't bless you and get your attention mm-hmm. until you know your insult level. Because you'll keep doing the same thing. And allowing people to do that. And allowing people to insult you. Mm-hmm. So I took that scar and went home and laid it down. And I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw he had another closing that he didn't refer the client to. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, my mind turned it into a beauty mark because I said, the next time this Negro have a closing, I'm going to walk into the room with two champagne glasses and, and go in the room with a bottle of champagne and open it up and go get the client myself. Mm. And that's when Champagne Closing was born. Wow. So now Champagne Closing is the number one closing gift. Someone shows up at the closing in a tuxedo or we meet you at your home 
with six champagne flutes, a nice chill bottle of champagne, and a champagne closing bucket. And we celebrate you. Mm. But it's a process. Mm-hmm. See, people want the prize without the process. So we'll go to the final walkthrough to educate the homeowner on safety tips. Mm-hmm. Then we celebrate them at the closing. Then we circle back to protect their home and family with the ADT security system. That is awesome. That is awesome. You had an awesome journey. You really did. And most people that went through the some of the things that you went through um, would despise their, their beginnings. Well, they don't want to talk about it. Mm. See, when you're ashamed of things that was out of your control, then you lose control of yourself. Mm. It was just a journey. Yes. You were in a dark place and couldn't see the light. And when they stay there, they can't see the beauty of it. Because, you know, I see the beauty of mine because God delivered me out of it. When I go back and look at my life and the things that I've been through and how I survived those things, I mean, that's the beauty of it, that you're still here. Yes. You know, because somebody didn't make it. Absolutely. And somebody that went through the same thing that you went through. Absolutely. You know, didn't have that opportunity or or have the opportunity that you and I have to even sit here and have this conversation Mm -hmm. even today. So what would you tell the audience? What would be your last words? What was something that you would tell them um, to help them out, you know, in further in, in, their, in their life? In my 10 seconds before I go eat, it's important that you know who you are. Mm, that's good. And who you serve. Because if you don't know who you are, you'll never be who God was meant for you to be. Because everything is a mindset. And stop telling your story. Because people don't care about your story. Just tell your truth. And that's it. Because the truth going to make you what? Free. Free. It's going to free. Ah! Brother Tom. Mm -hmm. Here in Atlanta. In 2020, I was coming to put flowers on my Agnes grave. On May 23rd, my sister-in-law asked me to go to the store, to Home Depot, because Home Improvement is my ministry. We drive past Rick Ross' house, and I think I'm the best fisherman in the world. That's computed to being a salesman. She went to Home Depot. I went in the Dollar Tree, I bought a clipboard, a legal pad, scotch tape, a pack of pens, and some envelopes. And I wrote Rick Ross a letter, telling him I got a brand. We pull up to his house, the security guard that sits in the booth 24 hours a day. I gave him the letter, and the letter said, I got a brand. I'm not coming to you for a brand. I'm coming to you for a champagne song idea I leave his house five hours later a gentleman from Chicago named Marcus Contrell Brown was closing on his house and he called me for an alarm system I gave him the safety tips and he told me man it sounds like some 007 type stuff and I told him that's the name of my company 007 he said get the hell out of here and then I told him his client ordered him a champagne closing. 
I tell him what his champagne closing is. He told me that was dope. He hangs up the phone. Less than two to three minutes later, he sends me a song that he shot during COVID downtown Chicago. It was a Black Lives Matter video. I expeditiously picked up the phone and called him back and told him, God chose you to make my champagne song. And that's all I have to say. And the champagne song was birthed and born. And I don't know where it's going to be played during the Super Bowl, but it will be played at the Super Bowl next year. In Jesus' name. And I got to go. The power of the tongue. The power of the tongue, you all. Goodbye, everyone.